0: It started with one and continued with many, sent by God and compelled by the gospel. We proclaim the hope of salvation, arrested by grace. We run the race and find ourselves truly liberated. Good morning. It's good to see you guys this weekend. My name is Josh Surratt. I'm uh, one of the pastors here at the Long Point campus. And- uh, one of the teaching pastors, I want to welcome you to Seacoast. It's already been a great uh, morning so far here at the Lawn Point Campus. I also want to welcome those of you who are joining us at one of our campuses. Maybe you're uh, at at uh, the chapel or the warehouse or one of our other locations. I want to give a special shout out to James Island. I got the chance to spend time with your pastor, Joey Svenson, last week. And a uh, great guy, awesome man, loves the Lord. Uh, he also loves the Boston Celtics. So uh, other than that, he's all right. Um, but had a great time. I want to welcome welcome all of you guys. A quick show of hands, those of you that are maybe in the Charleston area, uh, how many of you were in Charleston uh, 20 years ago for the Hurricane Hugo? Anybody? Okay, cool. A lot of, lot of people here. Uh, if you're not from Charleston, Hurricane Hugo was a Category 4 massive hurricane, devastated our town. Um, there were bridges that were kind of twisted up and houses fallen and trees everywhere. Massive, massive storm. Our family had just moved to Charleston about a year before the hurricane hit we moved from northern illinois and so we didn't do hurricanes we didn't know hurricanes didn't know much about it uh, we could dig your car out of the snow no problem but, but had no idea really what to expect for this and so at first we weren't even going to go anywhere uh and then the news was kind of hyping it up and so after kind of praying about it and wrestling over it for a couple of days. Finally, uh, our father, your pastor, made the right decision to evacuate us. So uh, we loaded up the minivan, got all of our special valuables, possessions, boarded up the windows, and we evacuated to North Charleston. Yeah. So, So here's the deal. A bunch of bunch of families we went to this church in North Charleston. Our first sign that this was not a great idea was that the pastor of that church he wasn 't there he 'd been here long enough he 's gone and and so, so we get over here and, and they have this room for for pets. they kind of have this room, room set aside where we could bring their pets and At the time we had one pet, we had a cat and um, our father explained to us that cats have these incredible survival instincts, and we were going to leave our cat at home and um, it wasn't until later when I heard him preach about his theology on cats that I realized what was really going on, you know? (laughs) Oh, kids, it'll be okay. They're great. They've got, you know, and so, so, but apparently pit bulls don't have the same survival instincts because one family brought their pit bull and, and they put him in this room where all the pets are. Problem. The pit bull's trying to eat all the other animals. I mean, this, this was, crazy rabid dog and so we then move it to a bathroom kind of isolated quarantined by himself and the pit bull begins to eat the bathroom and i'm not kidding just terrible so we end up having to bring this pit bull in the the worship center worship area where the rest of us were and um it was crazy because this thing was just mean as a snake terrible dog and the only thing that would calm him down is we would uh, sing some worship songs, especially like early on in the night, kind of gather together, worship together, and we would worship and the pit bull would fall asleep. And then we would stop and the pit bull would, arr, arr, you know, and he's going after us. And so if you can imagine in this room, it's just tense, you know, you can't walk around, you can't walk, by, you know, get anywhere near the pit bull without freaking out, thinking, fearing for your lives. And so you got that going on inside. Then you got a Category 4 hurricane going on outside, uh, so we just hear things flying, things banging into the building, windows breaking, car alarms going off, and uh, then we hear a window break in the building, and so a bunch of the guys, three or four of the guys walk over to this room and uh, down the hallway, and they're in there, and then all of a sudden we just hear this loud, crashing noise, and they all come out, and they're just white, pale. You tell something had happened. What had happened is a ceiling had caved in, you know, two, two doors down, two rooms down from where we were. So they take this rectangular table and they put all the kids underneath this table in the middle of the room. So all of us kids, I'm 10 years old at the time, we're kind of lined up underneath this table uh, just in case the ceiling caves in. You've got a pit bull that's freaking out. Someone's kind of strumming a guitar to keep the pit bull uh, doing all right. And then, then you've got all this stuff going on outside. I didn't know a lot as a 10-year-old, but I knew this much. I knew that I was going to die that night. There's just no question about it. You can figure that out. But here, here's the real lesson that I learned as a, as a 10-year-old boy. I learned that uh, we, we just weren't prepared for the storm, right? I mean, we're from Illinois. We didn't know what to expect. We weren't prepared. And, and how you prepare for a storm determines how you're going to respond while you're in the storm. Would you agree with that? Uh, for example... I had several friends who, they spent Hugo, it was kind of a party. They played games. They slept soundly. They were in Alabama. They were prepared for the storm. Our family was not prepared for the storm. And so it was a rough ride. I mean, it was a crazy, crazy night. Uh, and, and, And I realized that how you prepare for a storm definitely determines how you're going to respond while you're in it. Have you ever been in a storm that you weren't prepared for? Maybe it was like me this week and you walked into the grocery store. Uh, it was relatively nice outside and you come back out and your hands are full of groceries and it's pouring down rain. Happened to me this week and you just kind of got to wrestle, you know, run to the car and, and try, to, try to stay out of, out of the rain. Maybe it's a more severe storm. You know, maybe, maybe it's a storm of health. You know, you walked into the doctor's office for a checkup, expecting things to be as they always are, fine. But you get a report back that that you've got something, maybe a terminal disease, maybe cancer, maybe something, a physical storm, a health storm, and you don't know how to respond to it. Uh, maybe there are some of you that are here and you, you've been raising your family, you've got kids trying to do the best that you can, and you get hit with the news that, that your teenage daughter is pregnant and totally unprepared for something like that. Now, now you've got to figure out, how do I respond in this storm? You know, there are many that are dealing with maybe a rebellious child, drug addiction. Uh, maybe it's a financial storm. All of us have been through it, and, and you're just not prepared for it. How do, you, how do you prepare for a storm? Well, we're in a series. We're going through the book of Acts, and, uh, a series called Liberated. We're in Acts chapter 27. We're almost finished, and, and we're going to look at a storm that Paul endured, a literal storm. And, and he seemed to be prepared in, in, a, in a way that the rest of the people on the boat weren't. And I hope we can just pull some things out of that. Maybe it'll be helpful for us, especially those of us who are in a storm. Maybe we're getting ready to go into a storm. How many of you know that uh, if you're not in one right now, you're probably going to be in one. Storms just happen in life. And so hopefully we can just learn a little bit about it. But... I want to set the table a little bit for you, kind of uh, catch you up if you're new to Seacoast and haven't been tracking with us through the book of Acts. The last several chapters have been a storm uh, for Paul. It's been crazy. Uh, he's, as you know, he was radically saved back in Acts chapter uh, 8 or 9, and, and he's kind of become a leading force in the church. Well, in the last few chapters, he's been in, in mob fights. Uh, he's been under church discipline. He's been uh, accused of some things that he didn't do. Uh, th- there's even a group of people that are plotting his death. So it's been kind of a rough road. And then to top it off, the last two years he's been in prison. Uh, these charges against him, no one really knows how to, what, what to do with them. So he's just kind of been tossed around in the prison system uh, for the last several chapters. And so we come onto the scene in Acts chapter 27, and he finally gets what he's been asking for. He's going to get a chance to go to Rome and testify before Caesar to kind of plead his case before Caesar. He's always wanted to go to Rome. Uh, and so he's going to get that opportunity. So he's boarding a ship uh, as a prisoner. So uh, to, to go from where he is in Caesarea, which is near uh, Jerusalem, he's going to go all the way over to Rome. And uh, this is not a carnival uh, ship. Some of you guys have been on. This is uh, a port hopping, kind of a, a relatively small boat. There's 276 people. So it's big enough to hold a, a good number of people, but it's not meant for for the high seas. It's meant to kind of run along the, the, the ports and go from port to port, end up making it to Rome. So I want to kind of jump into the story. We'll read about what's going on and, and um, hopefully we can pull some principles out. So if you have your Bibles or maybe smartphone, whatever it is, open up to Acts chapter 27. The first few verses that I'm going to read aren't on your outline sheet, but we'll have them up on the screens. Uh, starting with verse four, it says this, Out to sea again, we sailed north under the protection of the northeast shore of Cyprus because winds out of the west were against us. And then along the coast westward to the port of Myra. There the centurion found an Egyptian ship headed for Italy and transferred us on board. So they transfer to this Egyptian ship. We ran into bad weather and found it impossible to stay on course. After much difficulty, we finally made it to the southern coast of the island of Crete and docked at Good Harbor. So they've run into some weather, dock on this island in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. And by this time, we had lost a lot of time. We had passed the autumn equinox, so it would be stormy weather from now on through the winter, too dangerous for sailing. In other words, it's hurricane season. They they weren't tracking on the same schedule they had hoped to. They've passed this kind of timeline that all the sailors knew about, that there was going to be bad weather. Uh, So they're kind of in a little bit of a dilemma. Uh, So Paul warns them. He says, I see only disaster ahead for cargo and ship to say nothing of our lives if we put out to sea now. Paul's been on some ships. He's actually been on a shipwreck. Uh, But remember, he's a prisoner, so they don't care. Uh, It was not the best harbor for staying the winter. Phoenix, which was a few miles further on, was more suitable. And the centurion set Paul's warning aside and let the ship captain and the ship owner talk him into trying for the next harbor. This is when it gets goes downhill. A gentle southerly breeze came up. They weighed anchor thinking it would be smooth sailing, but they were no sooner out to sea than a gale-forced hurricane-force wind. The infamous Northeaster struck. They lost all control of the ship. It was a cork in the storm. We came under the lee of a small island named Clouda and managed to get a lifeboat ready and reef the sails, but rocky shoals prevented us from getting close. We only managed to avoid them by throwing out drift anchors. And then the next day out on the high seas again, badly damaged now by the storm, we dumped the cargo overboard. The third day, the sailors lightened the ship further by throwing off all the tackle and provisions. It had been many days since we'd seen either sun or stars. Wind and waves were battering us unmercifully and we lost all hope of rescue. So you kind of kind of get the idea that they, they've lost hope. They're in the middle of a terrible storm uh, those of you, some of you are more visual. So I, I looked up a map of the area just so you can kind of see what was going on, where they were at, what the, what the situation was on the very far right of the map, you can see Caesarea, Caesarea which is where they took off from. That's where Paul was. And on the very upper left side of the map, you see Rome. That's the journey they were on. Their plan was to go from Caesarea up to Sidon, kind of hug the coast, stay out of the weather. Uh, You heard him mention Myra in the scripture. And then about the time they got to Rhodes, which is right in the middle of your map, they start to hit some really bad weather. They're behind schedule. They end up drifting down south of this island, right in the dead center of the map called Crete. And if you see where it says Fair Havens, that's where Paul sounded the warning. That's where Paul said, hey guys, we probably ought to stay here. It's going to get bad. We don't want to do it. The, The captain of the boat wanted to make it over to Phoenix, which is just a few miles over. So they, they take off from Fair Havens and they're heading to Phoenix and that's when they catch this gale force wind. And you can see their track kind of takes them out into the middle of the Mediterranean Sea where they hit this massive weather. And for 14 days, they're out stuck at sea. They haven't seen the, the light of day. They end up uh, shipwrecking on the far left side of the map. You see Malta, tiny little island south of Sicilia. And, and that's where they shipwreck, end up making it safely on shore. Some of your visual, you can kind of get the picture. They're in a bad storm. Uh, this is not your garden variety rainstorm. This is a terrible, terrible storm. So for 14 days, they're just being tossed around in the ocean. They haven't seen the light of day. In fact, as I read this uh, passage of scripture, it reminded me of a movie that I saw recently. Take a look at this clip. now you go full throttle, got it? You going to get one chance at this. And then? we pray. Can you imagine 14 days being in a storm like that? Not talking about even a a one day Hurricane Hugo kind of hit you and go. 14 days, they're stuck on a boat. They haven't seen sunlight. They're in a terrible, terrible storm. Some of you can imagine that because you're there right now. You may have come in this weekend Uh, In the middle of a storm, maybe you lost a loved one and you don't know how you're going to get through it, but but you're tempted to give up hope just like the scripture says that they were. Well, I want to just look at this story, maybe look a little bit deeper and see if we can pull a few things out of it, because here's what I noticed that was different. Paul was was one of 276 people on the boat. He seemed to be a little bit more prepared. In fact, we'll see at the end of the day when when they end up making it, they make it because Paul steps up and takes leadership. So what can we learn? How can we be prepared for the storms when they come. Let's look at a couple of things. The first thing, when it looks like a storm's coming, so we need to avoid the avoidable storms. Avoid the avoidable storms. Look at verses 10 and 11 again. It says, Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. See, Paul's ship didn't have to wreck. In fact, they didn't even have to go through a storm. They chose to do it. And you know it and I know it. We're going to go through storms in life. All of us are. If you're not in one now, you're probably going to be one in the future. But you don't have to to go through all of them. There are some storms that that are avoidable. This was one of them for them. You know, physically, if if, if you don't ever exercise and your diet consists of Taco Bell, Wendy's, maybe a, a Frosty every now and then, you're inviting a physical storm in the future, right? something that God's been convicting me about. Uh, In our relationships, some of us are married. If if we're not taking the time to date our spouse and and invest in that relationship, communicate about our dreams and our goals and and pour into that relationship like we did when we we first started dating, then we're inviting potential marital storms to come in. we don't have to go through them although I will say every marriage is going to have storms. If you want to avoid a storm in your marriage, then just don't get married uh, because they come. But some are avoidable, right? Uh, there are some that are single that are here today, and maybe you're involved in a, a relationship, a physical relationship, uh sexual relationship that's kind of crossing some boundaries. You're inviting future emotional storms that we don't have to go through. Some storms are avoidable financially, you know, Buying a house that you can't afford. You're inviting a a financial storm to come into your life. That's one of the things that I think I see, especially as we do young couples, small groups, is couples get married and think they need to, uh, and we've fallen into the same trap, think we need to live at the same level that our parents are living after they've worked 20, 30 years to get there. And and we get into financial storms that that, that are going to cause us problems. This happened to Lisa and I. You know, swiping a credit card when you, you don't necessarily have the money in the bank. Lisa was graduating from... Uh, her, her master's degree at, at MUSC. And we, we knew that we were going to go from a single income family to a, a dual income family. We'd never been that way. We'd been married for several years. And so uh, in anticipation of what was to come, we made some purchases based on what we thought our financial situation was going to be in the future. And how many know that's not real smart to make presumptions about what the future is going to look like? And so we ended up buying this, this timeshare uh, which is a bad idea, I know. I've paid stupid tax on it. But I mean, some, not that all, all timeshares are bad. For us, didn't fit our vacation style, didn't fit anything about us, and we couldn't afford it. And so we ended up paying for that storm. We, we invited a storm by, by making a purchase that we couldn't afford. Some of you are in college, or you're getting ready to get a job, you're getting ready to, to pursue your career. Don't make financial decisions now based on what you think your picture is going to look like in the future, because we don't know what the future holds. Uh, a lot of different areas that we, we step into storms that, that maybe we don't have to endure. So let's, let's avoid uh, the storms. What are some of the avoidable storms maybe in your life? Uh, maybe God's brought something to mind. You may want to write that down on your outline sheet. And here's my encouragement to you. Just, just don't do it. <laughs> Repent. That's what I love about the word repentance. It's just turn, turn course, turn around. We don't have to go into all of the storms. Some storms are avoidable. Second thing we can do, I think, learn from this lesson, this uh, scripture, is make our lives into a storm-ready boat. Some storms are unavoidable, aren't they? I mean, we can't help it if our health fails us or uh, if we experience the death of a loved one, which happens to all of us at some point in our lives. You know, Any kind of emergency, sometimes you just can't avoid them. In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. And James tells us that our trials and the storms that we go through, uh, sometimes God has a purpose in those. Sometimes God uses those to develop perseverance in us. So what do we do when we're experiencing these unavoidable storms? We've got to make sure our life is storm ready. Uh, it may not be storm proof, never can be, but at least we're ready to take on the storms that are, are going to hit us in life. You know, If you're in a hurricane, would you rather be in a cruise ship or a big boat, or would you rather be in like a dinghy or a kayak? Obviously, we'd rather be in a big boat, but the truth is sometimes spiritually, as Christians, we can live our lives like we're riding along in a kayak and, and not be ready for these storms. So, no matter what kind of boat you're on, what kind of vessel you're on, there's some tools that I think all of us uh, can have in our, in our tool belt and in our, in our boat that make us storm ready. First one is this one right here. This, as you know, is a life jacket. Not a real pretty one, but it's a life jacket, and I promise you one thing. If I fall in that water, I'm going to hope I've got one of these nearby. We know the value of a life jacket. In fact, the, the law requires that, that everyone in a boat has one. Uh, If you've ever been on a cruise ship or on a big boat, you know you do the lifeboat drill. Life jackets are very, very critical in a boat. And I liken that to our relationship with Christ and and salvation. See, some people may have taught you, I've heard it before, that if if you just will commit your life to Christ, all your problems will go away. That's not true. The truth is, no matter whether whether you've committed your life to Christ or not, we're going to deal with storms, we're going to deal with trouble. But having that life jacket, that relationship with Jesus Christ... We'll we'll ensure that we don't go through it alone. You know, God says that he'll never leave us or forsake us. Uh, Paul talks about grieving, that we would grieve, but not like those who have lost hope. And and our relationship with Christ gives us that hope to continue on, that he'll walk us through any problem that we've got. So we want to have that tool on our belt. The other tool, uh, interesting one, is this whistle. See, a whistle's interesting. Why would you have a whistle on a boat? Well, it serves a couple of purposes. One, uh, you can sound it off as a warning if there's a boat nearby, maybe it's dark and they can't see you to let them know that we're here. Also, if you're in trouble, maybe your boat's taking on water, uh, you can take, you can whistle the, the whistle if there's a boat nearby to let them know, hey, we need some help. We, we, we need some help. I thought about this whistle and, and I think about my life group. I think about the, the people in my life that I can call on when I'm taking on water or when I'm, when I'm in the middle of a storm. You know, just this week, uh, a friend of mine who's in a, been in my life group for a long time, recently moved away, uh, is dealing with the, the unexpected death of his 27-year-old brother. And he sounded off the whistle. He shot me an email on Monday morning and he said, Hey, just want to let you know this is going on. And, and of course, immediately I picked up the phone, called them, talked with them, prayed with them, encouraged him. Uh, but, but having those people in our lives that we can, we can just blow the whistle and go, I need some help. You know, it may be a big storm. It may be a small storm. You may just be struggling with emotions, feelings, whatever it is, but that you can sound the whistle and call on some friends in a community that will help you get through the storm. The last kind of tool that, that we have in a boat is this one right here. This right here is an anchor, and it's heavy. Uh, but an anchor serves a lot of purposes, and it's interesting. You may not think of it as a safety deal. Sometimes an anchor can really come in handy Uh, If you're in the middle of a storm and and you need to anchor, you need to tighten things down so you don't float away. Uh, Also, an anchor can be a problem, too. If you anchor in the wrong place or uh, you anchor in the wrong situation, it can cause your boat to capsize. But an anchor is interesting. I thought about an anchor when I I read the story in Acts 27. And I, I believe there's a few anchors that Paul was firmly rooted in, firmly anchored in, that helped him to get through this storm, helped to make sure that his life was storm ready. The first one was God's presence. Paul was anchored in God's presence. Look at verse 23 and 24. Paul says this. He says, Last night, God's angel stood at my side, an angel of this God I serve, saying to me, Don't give up, Paul. See, nothing is more evident of God's presence like an angel. Uh, but what's interesting to me is as, as the the waves are crashing into this boat and as they're dealing with, they haven't seen daylight in days, Paul was still aware and anchored in the presence of God, knowing that God doesn't leave us or forsake us. He's with us everywhere we go. And in that presence of God, he heard a word, got a specific word that said, you're going to be safe. You're going to make it through this. Another, another thing that uh, Paul was anchored in was God's promise, God's promise. See, if you flip back to Acts chapter 23, uh, God makes a promise to Paul. He says, you are going to go to Rome and you're going to testify in front of Caesar. So he knew it. He'd already been given a word from God. He'd been given a promise from God. And so everyone else is freaking out. Panic has set in. But Paul knew that he was going to make it to to Rome. God had promised it. And God's promised us a lot. Sometimes he gives us specific promises for our life. And we can kind of hold on to those as anchors. Sometimes it's just going to his word and, and, and trusting in what he said. You know, one promise that God's given us is that you're going to see brighter days. Psalms 30 says, Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. God has a plan. He's going to bring you through the trial. He promises deliverance. Psalms 34, 19 says, The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord rescues every time. I love that language. He rescues us. He promises He's going to deliver us from from the trials and the the struggles that that we deal with. Not always in the way that we think He will, but He promises that He'll deliver us. Romans 8, 28 says, He'll work everything together for the good of those who are in Christ Jesus. Another promise that God's given us is His grace. Second Corinthians twelve nine says, My grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that. I've got a lot of weaknesses. I've got a lot of struggles. And, and, and God's Word says He has grace that's sufficient for us. So those are some promises. Uh, but Paul was anchored in God's presence. He was anchored in God's promise. A third anchor, he was anchored in God's providence. God's providence. God's providence says that he's still on the throne. Psalms 29 says God sits on the throne in the midst of our floods. God hasn't gone anywhere. He's not surprised by the trials and the storms that come our way. In fact, he's, his hand is, is directly guiding our lives. And so Paul's out in the middle of the storm, but he knows that God is in this. God hasn't brought him to a place that, that he's not in control and, 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 and in control of every circumstance in his life. The last thing that I noticed Paul was anchored in is God's prior performance. God's prior performance. You know, this wasn't Paul's first storm. Uh, In fact, the last several chapters of Acts, if you've been tracking with us, have been storm after storm after storm. Today, he's in a very literal storm, but in the past, he'd been in storms of accusers that were falsely accusing him, people who had the power to put him to death uh, immediately, all kinds of situations, and yet God had come through for him time and time again. So looking at the, the ways that God has come through for us in the past, one example of this in my own life, uh, my wife lisa is a, a physician assistant and um, i can remember the the challenges that she faced she felt a firm call of god a promise that he wanted to use her in missions uh, to do medical work for his glory and uh, she struggled getting into pa school didn't get in a couple of times and and then once she got in there were always times where she was tempted to doubt god's god's plan for her life and i can remember she would study for these exams or she'd have a practical coming up or a report that she had to do and be totally stressed out, and if you're a student, you know what I'm talking about, but we would always pray together before, and we'd always look back and go, you know what? God's come through time and time again. You know, God hasn't brought us this far only to leave us here and kind of put our anchor in the fact that God's come through in the past. So those are some anchors, uh, but we've talked about the, the tools to help us make sure our lives are storm ready. Make sure you've got the life jacket. You know, if you don't hear anything else this weekend, I pray that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, the the, the grace that's so so freely available to us, all we have to do is repent of our sin and accept Him as our Savior and, and surrender our lives to His and, and get on board with His plan for our lives. Life jacket, we've got to have it. Don't neglect the whistle, you know, the friends, the family, the people that you can call. If you're not in a life group, maybe that's what God's calling you to do this weekend Is is join a life group. At whatever campus you're at, you can go out to the, the, the foyer or the information center and ask them about it. They'll connect you into a life group. And, of course, making sure that we're anchored in the truth that God has given us. So these are some things that I think that can help us make our ship, our boat, our lives storm ready. So we can avoid the avoidable storms, make our life into a storm ready ship. Uh, third thing I think we can learn from, from this story is get rid of what you don't need get rid of what you don't need. Look at verses 18 and 19. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. These guys started to realize this This storm is severe. Uh, this is a matter of life and death. And how many of you know it, a good storm will help you realize what's important and what isn't? You know what I mean? And they, they realize these things, cargo, tackle, Pretty, pretty big deal. I mean, you want to make sure you got them with you. Well, when you're in the middle of a storm, it was weighing them down. So they started tossing stuff, throwing stuff overboard. So we need to, we need to get get rid of what we don't need. I got a call uh, last week from Lisa. I was working. I was actually having lunch with, with somebody, and um, she calls a couple times. I answer the phone, and, uh, and she says, hey, Josh, did you lend out our lawnmower? And I said, uh, no, not that I know of. And she said, what about our weed eater? No, blower? No. Uh what about your golf clubs? Our stroller. I'm starting to realize I'm slow, but I realized we've been robbed. Uh so the night before I had put the garage door down taking the trash out and apparently there was something blocking it so it bounced back up and uh it wasn't until later that we realized it and the next day she she realized we've been robbed. Our garage had been cleaned out literally. And um, so, at first, I was very ticked. You can imagine. I'm praying, God, would you just lead me to this man, and I will, I will be a tool of justice for you. I'm going to just I, I come to Jesus, meeting. not New Testament Jesus, but more Old Testament God. I wanna, I wanna introduce him to your wrath. And you know, I got over that a couple, couple hours of stewing on that. And what it did for us, these things, obviously, some of them we're gonna have to replace. Uh, unless some of you decide to, to do a lawn mowing ministry for your pastor, <laughs> step up, take leadership. No, I'm joking about that. But but we'll replace some of it. But what what helped me realize is, you know, it's stuff. It's just stuff. And, and I almost, I, I, I don't think we all need to get our garages, Rob, but it, it almost would be good for us to have our garages raided every now and then just for, to, to remind us what's important in life, what we really need. You know, see, I had two kids that were sleeping right on the other side of that garage door, and I'm just thankful to God that, that, that they weren't tampered with or messed with. You know, it helped, me, helped kind of give me some perspective on what's important, what do I really need. We need, to, we need to get rid of some of the things that we don't need. Some of us in the middle of the financial storm that all of us have been navigating the last couple of years, it's been a good opportunity to kind of ask, what do I really need? Yeah, you know, I've talked to several people who have sold off possessions, you know, extra things that they, they thought they needed at one point, but a storm came and helped them realize, you know what, I don't really need this stuff. Kind of whittle back down to what's important. For some of us, we need to get rid of some other stuff. It may not be so much a material thing, but, but you may be in a storm and there may be a sin issue in your life. You know, something that you've been hanging on to. Maybe you've surrendered most of your life to God but there 's this one little piece, this one little compartment that we haven 't been fully willing to let go of to surrender, We've been hanging on to it maybe it 's a secret, nobody else knows about it i 'd encourage you maybe it 's time to to finally get rid of what you don 't need it 's just weighing you down. The Bible says that our sin holds us back, it hinders us from living the life that god 's called us to live, and maybe the storm is is the purpose of the storm is to maybe highlight an area of your life that you need to let go of and get rid of something that we don't need. Sometimes it's poisonous relationships, you know? Uh, maybe your marriage is taking on water right now, and you're, you're going through a little bit of a storm, and, and there may be a poisonous relationship. Maybe it's a, a work relationship, a friend, but it's been kind of flirting a little bit, dangerously close to a line that you don't want to cross, and, and it's just a good time to, to reflect and go, you know what? I don't need that. I I need to, I need to dissolve that relationship. You know, maybe it's a friend in your life who's kind of speaking negative thoughts into you about, that, about your marriage. You know, you don't need her. You can do better. Well, you don't need him. Uh, you shouldn't put up with that. We've all heard some of these things. And, and great opportunity to get rid of the poisonous relationships, the voices maybe that are, that are holding us back, speaking lies into our life that would, would encourage us to, to make a, a decision that we'll regret down the road. What do you need to get rid of? Is there anything maybe in your life, you may want to write it down. God maybe brings it to mind. I need to, I just need to get rid of this. Yeah, you know, it'd be so much better to, to, I'm in a storm. I'm going to deal with tough stuff, but so much better to deal with it with, without extra baggage that weighs us down, keeps us from being everything God's called us to do. Last thing I think we can learn. So we've talked about making our lives into a storm ready ship and avoiding avoidable storms, getting rid of what we don't need. The fourth thing, stay with the ship stay with the ship. As the story continues in verse 30, they uh, begin to uh, get, they, they find that they're close to, to land. And so here's what happens. In an attempt to escape from, some, from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. See, when the heat comes, stress comes, storm comes, we tend to abandon the right things sometimes, don't we? Uh, maybe we, we abandon our values we, we want to jump ship and and you know what's right you know what you should be doing but maybe you own a business and, and you got to make payroll and so you you maybe are tempted to uh, abandon your values and, and, and take some shortcuts that are going to cause damage in the future you know maybe we abandon our, our values and our, our marriage you know we, we, we're tempted to abandon uh, our, our commitment that we once made because the stress is coming it's easy to jump ship abandon our relationship with God well, here's what happened in verse 32 or 31. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it fall away. So God's saying, hey, stay with the ship. No one gets off the ship. And so I love what they do. They cut the lifeboats. You know, they, they cut their exit strategy and, and, and they said, we're, we're going to stay with the ship. Have you done that? Have you cut the exit strategy on your marriage? Have you recently reaffirmed and looked into your spouse's eyes and said, you know what, we're going to finish this together. I don't care what kind of storm we go into. We're going to finish this thing together. You know, I was watching a show yesterday, a news show, and saw a stat. I want to talk to the married people for a minute. If you're divorced or single, you know, uh, pay attention to it. But I really want to, want to focus on the marriage married people for a minute. Here's, here's a stat. So if, if you're a child and your parents were divorced, you're 41% more likely to go through divorce yourself. You guys have heard these, these stats, but then this was an interesting one. If if your, if your parents got divorced and then remarried quickly thereafter, so in other words, if there was someone else in the picture uh, and, and, and you bailed on your spouse and, and pursued that other one, your children are 91% more likely to walk down that same road. And I was thinking about that. What What, what it's saying is basically... You're, you're teaching your kids, it's okay to bail. It's okay to, to jump ship. And you know what? If, if you're on the other side of that, if you're divorced, you know, if you've been at Seacoast Long, God is a got a second chances, not trying to, to, to be a downer to you. But I want to encourage those of you that are thinking about bailing. You're thinking about jumping ship in your marriage. Stay with it. Stay with it. There are those that are thinking about jumping ship on your relationship with God. You know, maybe things have been tough and there was a time that you were close, but 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 you've been tempted to just jump ship quit on church or quit on your group, your friends, family that are, that are supporting you. Don't jump ship on God. Don't jump ship on your relationship with him. You're never going to develop the character that God wants you to have if you're always willing to take the exit strategy. You know, it's always easier to go out the back door, isn't it? Don't give up. Don't give up. So that's, that's the story. Those are some things I think we can learn uh, from Paul's journey. But here's the thing that really stood out to me as I was thinking about this just over, over the weekend, you know, 276 people on this boat, 276 people all going through the same storm. Scripture said they, they were all tempted to give up hope in a hopeless situation. And all it took was one guy, one guy to stand up. And you know, Paul tried to speak up earlier, but when the, when the waters were pretty smooth, no one wanted to hear him. But how many, of you know, when there's a storm, people are going to listen to the strong voice. People are going to listen to the voice that brings hope into that situation. So I thought about that. One guy ended up saving the entire boat, the entire group. I want to be that guy. You know, would you be willing to be that person? Maybe the storm that your family's going through right now looks bad. Everyone's down on, everyone's seeing, tempted to give give up hope. Would you be willing to be that voice of hope? that would be anchored in the presence of God and anchored in the truth of, of who God is to say, you know what, guys, we're going to make it through this. Shine the light, you know, point, point them to Christ. Maybe in your work situation, you may be going through a storm and people are complaining, and people are gossiping, people are upset. Would you be that voice, that voice of hope, that voice that would speak truth and, and speak love into that situation? Maybe the group of friends that you run with going through a storm and people are waiting. People are waiting for someone to speak up to, to take, take a strong voice and offer hope in that situation. I can't help but wonder what it would look like if just a handful of us that are going through storms, going through tough stuff, would be willing to go, you know what, I'm going to anchor myself in God's truth and I'm going to be that voice of hope, regardless of what's going on around me, and put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And 276 were saved as a result of it. I can't imagine what the impact on this community would be if people saw people weathering storms, but doing it in such a way that would honor Christ. I wanna be that person. I wanna encourage you to be that person as well. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, I thank you for this incredible story that happened many, many years ago. Lord, where, where a group of people were in such a terrible storm that they were tempted to give up hope. God, they didn't know if they were gonna live. And Lord, it's a story of your redemption you're rescuing them, saving them. God, and I pray for the people that are here today and they're in a similar storm. Lord, their boat's taken on water and they don't really see how this is gonna end well. God, I just pray that you would just give us hope. Lord, remind us that you're a God of the impossible. Lord, you're, the, you're, a, you're a God of restoration. You're a God of reconciliation. You're a God of second chances. So even if we've brought the storm on ourselves, God, I just pray that you would just speak that truth and that hope. Give us just a glimmer that we can hang on to and get us through the storm that we're facing. Lord, I know that there are many of us that maybe the path that we're on right now has taken us into a storm, one that maybe is avoidable. God, I pray that you would bring about a spirit of repentance on us. Lord, that we'd be willing to say, no, we're gonna repent of this. We're gonna change course. We're gonna get off this this course that we're on. We're gonna turn to you, Lord, and, and allow you to redirect our path into one that that brings life and truth and hope. But Lord, wherever we're at, I just pray that your spirit would fill us. Lord, as we respond in the next few minutes, that you would just encourage us, speak into our hearts. We love you. We surrender ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.